welcome to the Car Sim and Race Driver Show, presented by Hugh Hattrick. Here at Bathurst in the course, my very special guest, basically, Rascal Rabbit, Josh Martin. It's great to have you back on the show. Drive fast and try not to crash. Hello and welcome to the Car Sim and Race Driver Show. And tonight we have a fantastic special guest. And I know I say this about every guest that we have on the show, but this is truly outstanding. We have Chaz Draycott. Good Welcome evening. to the show, Chaz. Thank you very much, Hugh. It's a pleasure to be here, mate. Pleasure. Now, in the, the, the pre-show build-up as we, that's not available to the public, and it's all private for that one, you've been telling me about the kind of people you've been working with. And I have to say, that is, it's an incredible lineup. So we'll definitely come to that a little bit later on in the show. But Chaz, you are a legendary commentator, um, and you've been doing lots of sim racing. Uh, but tell us, um, how did it all start? And was it uh, driven by a love of motorsport? Or how did you get involved in commentating on sim racing and, of course, the real racing championships that you do? It's it's a bit of a complicated one, really, with how it all started. But I, I started watching Formula One when I was very, very young. Um, my dad started getting involved in, well, not getting involved in it, but started watching it and uh, was a real big fan. And then I sort of started sitting down watching the races with him. And I used to be really into drawing when I was a kid. So I'd always see the cars on TV and I'd start drawing them. And I saw loads of, um, he, he had these like spotters guides almost. You could get a book years and years ago, like the, the F1 yearbook each oh, yeah. year. And they had like these side profiles of the cars on them. And I got really intrigued as to how it was all laid out and formatted. And I started drawing these cars side on as a kid. And there was one defining moment that my dad always reminds me of, and he always says that it, it's how cocky I've always been, where I was sat on the floor drawing a picture of Spa Frankenchamps, and I turned around to him and said, Dad, how do you spell Frankenchamps? And he said, why do you want to know that? And I said, well, they're racing at Spa Frankenchamps. And he said, it's just called Spa. And right on cue, Murray Walker comes on TV. Hello, we're at Spa Frankenchamps for the 1999 <laughs> Belgian Grand Prix. So he, he always reminds me of that. And then... After that, the love of it grew. Um, and then through the whole drawing aspect of it, I started drawing little race cars from like an aerial point of view. And I used to then go to the extent of drawing racetracks with a marker wow. pen on the on the back of uh, rolls of wallpaper. And then I'd race these little drawn cars around them. I'd draw the paddocks and everything. It was so nerdy. Fantastic. It was unbelievable. But um, from there, I... I developed the idea that I don't want to be the one to decide who wins this race. So then it went into developing like a roll. You roll a dice and depending yeah. on what you get on the dice happens on each lap to each car and loads mm. of stupid stuff. It then went into Excel spreadsheets and everything. It got a little bit out of hand, you could say. <laughs> but while doing this in my head, or sometimes out loud, I was commentating on what was going on, adding a bit of drama to it and, and following it up. Um, and then nothing really came of it i was always a motorsport fan since then obviously grew up a bit grew out of doing that and playing with toy cars and so on i say that though and i've got a load of model cars up there um and then I, in 2014 my my friend gave me a gaming pc and i'd wanted to get into iRacing for ages i'd seen that it was a thing and i saw broadcasts of it and i was i was always looking for something else to watch and because of 
how esports never sleeps. It's it's not yeah. got an off season. That's that's the beauty of it. I always had something to watch, and there was always something going on. Um, I was watching Apex Racing TV for mm-hmm. a good three years before I even got my gaming PC, and eventually I got into iRacing. Didn't really communicate with anybody very much, and then suddenly got into BSR, which is British Sim Racers, and got involved in their community. And uh, a guy that everybody knows and loves, Ellis Stevens, known lovingly as Kip in the community, um, got me to run a league called the BSR Kia Club Series. And from there, people started to know my name a little bit just from doing that. Um, And then it sort of went stale after a while. There was a few things went on and unfortunately the series ended. But then I sort of stayed in the community a bit. Um, And then eventually Apex Racing TV, I'd obviously heard them for years. Alex Simpson and Andrew Woodhouse with Adam Bath, they were the three that I'd always listened to. And eventually I was commentating with two of them as just wow. a trial. Uh, that was, eight, I think it was April or early May 2018 that I first made my debut doing that on the BSR MX5 series. Um, it went down pretty well, I could say. And then since then, it's, it's just taken off a bit. I worked for Apex for a long time. And then I got picked up by Ian Roots, who I must give a thank you to at Sim Races World TV. And since then, I mean, the last, last sort of 18 months has just been bonkers. Really, but really bonkers. That's brilliant. So when you were kind of growing up watching Formula One, what were mm. your kind of favourite kind of races? Do you have any kind of really memorable moments that, that have stuck with you? The, I mean, we all, we all say the 1998 Belgian Grand Prix, but because mm. I was little, I was like, oh, yeah, a crash. You know, I was excited in that. Obviously, now <laughs> I, I see it and go, oh, God, I hope they're all right. But... Yeah. That, that race in its own, just because of how much went on, Schumacher hitting Coulthard, Hill winning the race, that was one of the real highlights for me. And the 1996, I think it was, yeah, 96 Australian Grand Prix, where Villeneuve and Hill had that almighty battle to the end. Yeah. And you had, I, I even went, this is, this is again another point of me being too excited with marker pens. I actually used to have two little um, toy Formula One cars that my dad painted as the Rothmans Williams because I was oh, so yeah. obsessed yeah. with that Williams. And because I wanted to reenact that battle, I actually coloured in with brown marker pen, one of them, because of the oil spatters that went all over that's one right. of the cars. Yeah, uh, it, was, yeah. it was Hill's car, wasn't it, that got spattered? Yeah, and uh, eventually, because that's yeah. right, because Villeneuve eventually went out, didn't they? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, yeah, it had went with an oil pressure leak or something or whatever it was. But um, I know that was a cracker of a race. So have you been to some, to, to some Grand Prix as well live to see them? Over the years? Only two, actually. Both of them, the British Grand Prix. I went in 2006, and I didn't particularly enjoy it because during qualifying, I broke my wrist. Oh, goodness. Yeah, how? Um, I actually got to sit on the very bed that they sat Michael Schumacher on, though, when they when he broke his leg in 99, which was oh, goodness. A, a, yeah. a nice little snap. <laughs> um, and then the 20... I've got to think now. 2019 British Grand Prix. It was not last year, the year before now. Oh, um, that was a very I, exciting race, wasn't it? Yeah, I was. One? Yeah, it was um, the when Hamilton. Hamilton won in 2019. No, no, Hamilton won it. It was uh, oh, Hamilton and Bottas had their little scrappy do near the beginning. Oh yes, yeah. But, yeah. Um, I I was doing. I was the MC for the F1 esports stage all weekend, so I was there from the Thursday uh, yeah. with the with the events house, and I, I was there from Thursday doing. I did four nearly 10 hour days on my feet commentating on just public races and it was fantastic you know they had a a massive stage with eight simulators each side all nine they had one on the end which was the dhl 
fastest lap sim. And they'd just get 16 people at a time to come up. They had an empty space in the middle for me to wander around and offend people on. Um, <laughs> and a big screen and gave me a PlayStation controller and said, yeah, I'll commentate this. And it was brilliant. One of the best weekends I've ever had. It was awesome. That does sound like hopefully there'll be more of that to come as well. Yeah. As COVID kind of uh, eases and we can get back to doing more events again, then I think that that's where it's going, isn't it? Um, and yeah. that's the thing. It's funny though because you do remember your Grand Prix that you that you go to. Um, uh, the mm. only one I've ever been to um, was in 1993 at Donington. I was 18. Oh yeah. And for a birthday present, I got uh, a ticket with my friend and his father, and we went down to watch and we saw Ayrton Senna win at Donington, um, and it was just the most remarkable day. Um, but uh, and the atmosphere was electric, you know, and it was it was windy, it was wet, and then it was just overcast, and it, there was no sunshine right. at all the whole time. And then after the Grand Prix, there was an amazing touring car race where the water, the heavens opened and the water came down, and um, it was incredible um, um, to watch all of that. Um, but uh, but also just to see the overtakes, and we oh, were at yeah. the back, the the was it the Donington Loop. Um, at the back of the circuit, yeah, yeah, the uh, and at the chicane at GP Loop, um, and we saw Schumacher go off into the gravel, um, just in <laughs> front of us, and all of that, you know. So it was quite, it was amazing, an incredible day. And then you know, yeah. before it starts, the helicopters go past, and, and you get all the atmosphere. It kind of puts puts your hairs in the back of your um, back yeah. up, you know. It's 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 really really kind of quite emotional. Um, and then of course the the warm up lap because in those days the noise was un mm. unbelievable from these you know V twelves and everything else. And I remember yeah. putting our hands to your ears as the cars went past just on the warm up lap. Um, and then when when they finally came up, you knew that the lights had gone to green because all you heard was oh, the red was going right up and it just dropped and went boom like this and then off they went. Um, and it was the most incredible thing. But I suppose as a commentator, you must get that. What's the most exciting race? you've ever kind of commented on it's given you that incredible experience oh god that that's probably the hardest question you could have asked me <laughs> i i honestly i i don't know or what's what has it been a race that's really stood out that has got really got you going there's there's one that was very interesting quite recently and there's there's a series i'm going to be racing in this year called the sunday drivers mx5 series and it's on iRacing, and a lot of the guys they're either inexperienced or they're not the quickest of guys and myself included. And that sounds like the kind of thing I would do then. <laughs> <laughs> but they, I commentated with my friend, Jack Werrell, uh, Mark Werrell, fellow commentator, his son, and they were at Lime Rock Park and it was just the most bonkers. Like, even though there, there were incidents of plenty, but there was an amazing battle of five cars at the front and they were covered by about a second, I think at the line. It was wow. just incredible stuff absolutely incredible and that one just always sticks in my head a little bit um i had a lot of fun recently with uh, a series that i run the british boring car championship we had our christmas party <laughs> where we ran the uh, the volkswagen jetta tdi on i racing round daytona oval uh, <laughs> flat out 130 mile an hour diesel everywhere it was brilliant but we had the big one at daytona on the back straight um it was a massive accident and it was the funniest thing i've seen in ages um race wise i'm trying to think though if there's another one but honestly there's there's so many i think in the yeah. last in the last two years i think i must have done at least 200 broadcasts I, i'm wow. struggling to struggling to remember <laughs> one that stands out that much so if anybody's watching that was involved in one i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> Now, I mean, how do you think, obviously, you, you go to all the main circuits like Brands Hatch and, and uh, Silverstone, Donington, different places. Do you find that certain tracks are just maybe a little bit more exciting than others? 
Um, you know, but always, you always see quite a lot of action at Brandsatch and places like that. Mm. Um, you find this is a good circuit for overtaking or for, for lots of kind of crazy maneuvers and things like that. I, yeah, I, I love Brands. Brands is incredible. I was fortunate enough to commentate there on my birthday this year for the Creative Funding Solutions Sports 2000 Championships. And they had two meetings towards the end of the year. Uh, in September, they were there for the race on the Indy circuit uh, as part of the Ford Power Live event. And then they rounded out their season on the GP circuit. And even though you can't see the back end of the circuit from the commentary box, it's probably the nicest commentary box in the country. Um, yeah. It's just even just while they're on the indie section and you get to see them going up towards druids and then they disappear behind the trees and then one of them comes back down and then one of the other ones doesn't you know you get those moments it's just brilliant it really is um and i think that with i i i'd like to say alton park is great but i've only commentated there once it was actually my first ever real commentary i did in 20 late 2018 as a as a bit of a, a one-off shadow in clive woodward um the thing with Alton is they've where the commentary box is. If you look to your right down towards Old Hall Corner at Turn One, they've got a massive hospitality building right in your eyesight. You can't oh, see no. Turn One, so you can only see him going <laughs> into Turn One, hitting the brakes, and then see the exit. And it's I, I don't know why they did that, but that's that's, that's for them to, them to so explain, not me. If you can't see what's going on, then what do you do? Do you just have to try and kind of think of what you can see for a few seconds before they come into interview again? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's one of the main bits of the job that you need to sort of get down, really. Um, you need to be able to... I, I had a lot of this at the Nürburgring as well, where you can't always see the battle that's going on. Even if you've got a live feed, you know, it's not always showing uh, yeah. what's going on. You have to be able to look at the timing screen and make a story out of it. You have to pick mm -hmm. up on someone that's set a purple sector or just look mm -hmm. down it and figure out who's close together or who's, you know, if you've remembered something in your head that, oh, this guy was 10 seconds out of this guy and suddenly it's five seconds, you're thinking that gap's come down. You could see a battle coming up there yeah, or, yeah. you know, just even if you're just saying, oh, so-and-so's in the lead now by this amount, you know, you, yeah. you've just got to at least, yeah, you've just got to roll the facts out. And as, as I said before, when we were just talking before we started, you've, you've got to dress it up a little bit. You've got to expand the vocabulary on it. Don't just say... <laughs> This guy's in the lead now. I've heard people, um, David Addison uses a phrase that I really enjoy where he says um, it's something like, Tom Ingram's in the lead by, he's 1.2 seconds in to the good. I, I can't remember quite how he works it in, but he says to the good. And that is one of my all-time favorite phrases, that because it just works. But it's one of them phrases that if you use it too much, I think you'll pick up on it a bit that you're repeating yourself. But yeah, like, like I say, it, it's just you need to work in something else that's happening. If you can't see it, you need to make something to talk about, like talk about the conditions, the times, how long's left in the race, yeah. what you think could happen, just anything. And anything to fill in that, that gap, isn't it? Yeah. To me, yeah, that's, that's the hard bit of the job. Yeah. I think. yeah. I always remember, uh, Murray Walker, uh, I was watching the 1992, uh, French Grand Prix and it was again, a weight race. And, uh, I think there was a crash. And so they red flagged the race. Um, and mm. Senna, and that was the one where Senna and Schumacher went off. Yeah. Um, uh, Schumacher overtook him and, and they crashed uh, coming into one of the hairpins. Um, so there was a bit of a kerfuffle with that and so on. Uh, but they all had to go back and eventually they restarted the race. And when they got it going again, um, they lost pictures on BBC at the time. Um, right. And so Murray Walker said, I believe you've lost pictures over there in the UK. So I'll try and keep you up to date with everything that's going on with what I can see. And he, he went on to give this incredible battle between Alessi 
and I think it was Mansell and who was I'm trying to remember um, who was Mansell's uh, teammate? Or was it Patrese? Patrese, wasn't it? And there was this, as if this most incredible battle uh, between Alessi, Patrese, and Mansell. I think it yeah. was at that time. Um, and uh, and then when the pictures finally came back, we realised there was about a ten second gap between Alessi and Patrese, or whoever he was battling, and nothing had changed in the last wee while. But James Hunt just allowed Martin uh, allowed Murray to kind of say what he wanted to say um, to keep it going, you know. So it's, yeah. uh, it was a great way that Murray could get away with all of that. Um, yeah. I think to keep people on on board. But um, yeah. so, how do you find obviously because the, the difference between uh, commentating at a real event uh, and also a sim event is there a, what kind of differences can people kind of see when you're when you're commentating on on the two? I'd say, for, from my perspective. Doing the real world stuff's easier, and I, I, I've said that to a few people, and they've said like, "What? Are you sure?" But the thing is, with sim racing, is you can always follow the action in sim racing, whether it's i racing, a set of course, R factor. You always have the ability to always be on top of the action. You know, you can still have your timing screens. The broadcast will always be there. There will be cameras at every single place. You don't have to rely on a different person to be out at each post manning cameras. Yeah. Um, yeah. Even if you do have a feed, sometimes you you might not in real world stuff. But mm -hmm. in real world stuff, you're only expected to call what you can see. In sim yeah. racing, the cameras are always there; they're always yeah. on it, and I think you have to constantly reel it off bit by bit. Um, the main difference, I would say, is that um, I, another thing that I always pick up on is sim racing. You don't get like random engine failures or suspension yeah, failures, and things like that. Yeah. Because I like to think that the sim racing world relies on that sort of stuff to be hardware failures. You know, someone's wheel turns off, their monitor goes off, the PC crashes, things like that. I think that we, I like to think that we attribute that to what would be an engine failure or a puncture or something like that. Um, but making an excuse for what's going on on screen if it doesn't look natural is probably the hardest bit of sim racing commentary. Because if you've got a car that just, disappears or you know watches <laughs> out goes goes straight into a wall you have to instantly yeah. think of what could have caused that so when you see someone go off it, like when i've i've been broadcasting before someone will go straight off at a corner and hit the wall mm. and the car won't do anything it won't hit the brakes won't slow down won't sort of counter steer and yeah. you'll go back to a replay go straight on board and say watch the wheel does it move and then if it's he's going around a corner and then suddenly bang goes straight you're like right well his wheels failed there you go we know what it is now move yeah. on yeah but sometimes other things happen. You'd like what? Like wh why has that happened? But in your in your head, you 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 say that you're going. That doesn't look right. But when it comes out of your mouth, you say, "Oh, he's just having a technical problem there." Or you you, you yeah. sort of excuse it. You make you make up a reason for it happening. Yeah. That, that's probably I the main. Because you don't want to put people off, I suppose, or yeah. or give a, your own view on a particular thing when maybe um, that might kind of do put in a different slate on the actual race i suppose isn't it but it's good that you get to find out uh, through experience as to why those things go wrong mm. but um now we've got some good comments so plenty of people watching um, yeah i've got over there <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> you had some really good ones now i'll go right back up to the top um because here we are um now it's uh, going back to the very start when you were talking about how you'd uh, made your own track and you draw mm. the dice and you know, that um andrew mara said it sounds like environmentally friendly scale electrics as you were yes. kind of moving it going through racing Racing the two, yeah. see it all. And he also says, "Gotta wonder if people accidentally drive to Leamington Spa to watch the race at Spa." <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, there's, 
there's always the meme that comes up on Facebook for me where it says like uh, her version of spa and it's like a spa day and it's like, oh, the lads, <laughs> it's just no room. But, um, he mentions um, environmentally friendly scale extract, actually. I want to sort of do a bit of a plug here, but it's not for anything that I've ever done. Um, there's a board game called Formula D. It used to be called Formula Day, and it's annoying me that it's called Formula D because obviously that's the name of the world, drifting championships effectively. And it's the most, to, to try and explain this board game is the most complicated thing in the world, but you've got a massive game board, tiny little cars that are about this big, and you've got obviously squares on the track. But they've yeah. made it interesting in the way that it's not just, oh, I've rolled six and you've rolled four, I've gone faster than you. It's not always roll as high as you can because the corners are marked out and you've got to stop mm -hmm. in a designated area ah, at yeah. a certain amount of times. So some corners yeah. are slower. You have to stop in a red area twice, fast corners yeah. just once. And you get little gearboxes and it, there's six dice, ah. one, one for each gear. You you have to properly plan out when you're going to slow down, change down a gear, and stuff like that. Honestly, go and go and Google it, everyone. It's it's very Probably. difficult to get hold of a copy, but it is fantastic. Best board game I've got. I've got two copies myself just because I wanted more cars. And yeah. on, honestly, <laughs> like that is pretty much what I was trying to achieve when I was younger. Is what this game has done. So when I found it, I just it blew my head. I mean, Andrew Miles put a thing in uh, in the chat with the little exploding brain emoji. That's how I feel about it. It's amazing. <laughs> Formula D, it is. It's amazing, it really is. Ah, that's fantastic. No, we'll definitely look out for that. That mm. would be the, that would be a good board game to 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 get um, to get for the family and see how they can make that all work. Now we've yeah. got a few uh, some other great uh, comments um, by Nielinski, um Tom Brooks, or Jimmy Broadbent. Who oh. do you prefer? <laughs> oh. Oh. I'm friends with both of them. Um, <laughs> oof. Well. Jimmy Jimmy suggested me to Gran Turismo to partner Tom Brooks when he couldn't do some of the FIA uh, certified Gran Turismo World Championship stuff. Tom has also helped me out with a lot of stuff as well, and he also bought me a Domino's once. So <laughs> I'm going to have to say Tom. I'm sorry, Jimmy. Jimmy Jimmy's got enough enough fans and lovers as it is. <laughs> well, if he watches the show, you might get a message from him. Yeah, I've never, I've never recommended you again. <laughs> I don't Sorry. think he watches the show as yet, um, so don't worry. <laughs> That'll be fine. That, um, now, we've also got, I'll we'll go down the comments uh, and uh, here we are. Uh, it says, uh, Andrew Marsh says, ask Chaz, what is his best phrase for a crash? Uh, because he wants to start using it for my gaming live streams for when I crash quite often. <laughs> <laughs> I like to say someone's binned it, um, but that's a bit of a common one. Um, a commentator, Alton Park. I'm not quite sure it used to be, but it was about ten years ago now when I heard it. He used to say that was a bit of a self crash, um, <laughs> which was quite a good one because he always used to say people had gone self crashing and grass tracking. Uh, <laughs> what else was it now? There was there was another one he used recently. But I can't remember what it was now. Oh, um, thrown it at the scenery is one yeah, that I quite like. Yeah. He's thrown it at the scenery. I don't really have any other original ones to be fair. Oh, that's that's the thing. A lot of the time. With with commentary phrases, you often find that you say something and you think, I've either heard that before or I've just come up with that. And the, the likelihood is you've heard it before somewhere and someone else has yeah. said it. But, you know, we don't copyright ah, these things. Exactly. <laughs> no, that's, that's the thing. I was, was it Martin Brundle who came up with that one? Um, uh, he's driving straight to the scene of the accident. Yeah. It was like, and, and spinning off in sympathy. Um, yeah. But, uh, Remember that was, and I always remember it was at James Hunt 
uh, fantastic one on Philip Alio when he nearly took Nigel Mansell off in Portugal a number of years, was it 86 or thereabouts? And he mm -hmm. says, and there's Philip Alio who always crashes anyway. Now we're trying to take out Mansell. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it was oh, like... didn't he say he wasn't? Who was it? He wasn't a fan of. Was it Arnu? Or it was someone else. Yeah, it was Jarier. He said Jarier's got the mental age of ten or something like that. Because he, <laughs> he's he's holding up Pironi, I think it is, in the Ferrari. Or is it Tambay? Yeah. Patrick Tambay. And he, he's holding one of them up. And basically, James, you can hear him in the commentary box. He's getting so angry. And he says, Oh, it's, oh, it's just typical for Jarier. He's got the mental age of ten anyway. <laughs> and he's just going, <laughs> he's going sick. There's, there was a thing about um I think it was Rene Arnu, actually. Because it was the Monaco Grand Prix. I I love anything that James Hunt did. He, he was yeah, an absolute hero. He? Yeah, and yeah. there's so many great stories that Murray told about him on his um, Beyond the Grid podcast as well. Yeah. On F1. Yeah. But one of, one of the highlights is on YouTube where they've got the Monaco Grand Prix on. And I think Prost is going to he's going to lap Arnu and he's and Murray starts saying, and Arnu says the reason he's going so slow these days is he's used to turboed cars and these naturally aspirated cars are a different kettle of fish or so he says. And then you just hear James Hunt grab the mic off him and just go, and all I can say is, is that is bull. <laughs> <laughs> and then he just hands the back and Murray just goes, so anyway, and just carries on. It's just insane. I love it. Absolutely yeah. brilliant. Uh, there's a way that they can do it, isn't it? I mean, with, oh, yeah. with James Hunt and Murray Walker, it was an incredible era um, mm. of, of, of commentary. And I think we all watched yeah. it. We all used to get up and watch this. And I remember, because I, I, one of the few races, I think I'd, I may not have watched it live, but I, I recorded it, um, yeah. was, of course, uh, Australia in Adelaide, 1986, mm. when Mansell had his blowout. Um, and Murray, uh, you know, made that incredible kind of thing. Oh, look at that! You know, mm. and it's Mansell, and uh, and it's gone from side to side and so on. And these, they, just, they could just somehow sum up the races in a way oh, that yeah. nobody else could. I mean, I remember watching the other races in the, in the 90s, um, and Sky, of course, was covering it at this point. But even though they had John Watson and they had another chap who was on it, I'm trying to remember, it was an, it was an Irish guy, or I'm trying to remember what it was that they had. Mm. Um, but uh, but you always watch BBC, right, you know, when you could, um, because that was, it was the, the Murray Walker commentary yeah. with James Hunt, which is always that little bit better. Um, and, uh, and it was kind of always that little bit more exciting. What do you think makes a really good Commentator. In your opinion, having a knowledge of the level you need to be at for what's going on. So, I know I know some commentators that start down here when they're not very excited at all. They're very deadpan, very level, and they never come up from that level. You need to sort of start in the middle, be excited, and then get excited and some people start up here and they don't have anywhere else to go. You know, they're excited from the off and it gets a bit boring a bit quickly. Um, you need to just know when to get excited and when not to. So if you're watching somebody that's just on a qualifying lap and they're not particularly going any quicker, you'd be talking as I am now. You'd just be summing it up, going over what he's doing, maybe talk about what he's doing on the lap. And then if he sets a purple sector, then you're thinking, oh, hey, oh, we could be onto something here. You know, he's gone faster to the whole session. And then when he goes and puts it on pole, it's like, oh, well, there you go. Pole position for so-and-so. And he's now provisionally at the front of the grid. Let's see what everyone else can do to try and beat that. You've got to have the steps to go up. Yeah. And then the thing is as well, is that not only going up, but coming down, you know, coming down from that high of something really exciting, you can't come straight back down to deadpan because then it'll feel like, you're not invested in it. If you want to make sure that people know you're invested in what you've just watched and you're still excited, you've got to come down gradually from it bit by bit. 
Um, and I, I, I do think that it's it's having those levels definitely because you know we all we all have different voices, we all have different vocabularies. That's part of the beauty of commentary, I think, is that you get to see so many different levels of talent in so many different places in different ways. Yeah. yeah. Because everyone has their own style of doing it. Um, people have their own phrases for stuff. People just have their own words for things. I mean, I uh, one of my sort of real gripes and I'm, I'm sorry to anyone that does this i know one lad that is if he watches this he's going to know that i'm picking <laughs> picking on him because he does this is when we're watching a car from like a tv camera so it's like an external trackside camera and we're watching somebody and they'll say they're on board with them and to me that's not right because if you're on board you're in the car you are riding on board with yeah, yeah. the car itself but some people, you know, they say that for external cameras and, you know, there's no definite right or wrong with that. But again, it just highlights the different styles and vocabularies that we've got, really. Yeah, yeah, no, that's fantastic. Now, I've been putting in the comments there um, to, to get your questions in so that we can, you yeah, can bring ask. Them, guys. <laughs> yeah, get the get Chaz to, to answer all these wonderful questions. Um, now, one that we had a little bit earlier on was from uh, Keith Will Own You, um, and he was saying, um, which do you prefer? Uh, doing your own sim racing or commentating? That's very difficult at the moment because <laughs> I've I've recently fell in love with the sim again because I've now got triple screens. I just move them back oh, on my wow. desk. I've got the sim rig here. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, I just yeah. drag it along, slide it under the desk, and then bring the screens forward and crack on. Um, I've really enjoyed a set of Corsa recently and even just racing against the AI, um, even Wreckfest. And I mean, people say, oh, it's not a sim. It's but, great fun. It's, it's great so fun. much fun. And yeah. the first time I went over a jump in Wreckfest, I nearly fell out of the rig because you have that moment, you know, when you fall yeah. from something really high, your stomach goes and you go, whoa, hang on. Yeah. I had that moment when I was in a jump. I was that immersed in it. I was like, hey, up, <laughs> sort of like I lifted <laughs> myself out of the rig so it didn't hurt when I landed. It was <laughs> honestly mad, but... I think I'd, I have to say commentary because I get to share my excitement over what's going on with everybody that's watching. And I also get to see everything that's going on. One of the things that I, I sort of hated about, I, I did a YouTube series a while ago, not a very exciting or sort of prestigious one on uh, touring cars in R factor. I made, oh, yeah. made liveries and stuff myself and made a little series just raced against the AI. But what annoys me is that, I want to know what's going on, who's in the lead, who's battling with who, what's going on behind me, who's crashed, and so on. And when you're in the car and you're doing it yourself, mm -hmm. you can't pick up on all of that. You can just check your like you can check your little relative box in the corner or whatever you use and see who's dropping back, who's moving around. But unfortunately, I, I have I have to say commentary because it, it's what brings the money in, I'm afraid. <laughs> I was going to say, if you've got any contracts pending, don't worry, they won't be watching this. You know, no, but it's like... <laughs> but uh, it's, uh, now we've got a good question here. Um, it was uh, also from uh, new, uh, Keith Bonu. Um Now, let me just quickly just check exactly where it was. I've seen it was a... sent one in. <laughs> <laughs> I will, yes, I will try and get to that. Um, now, let's see, where are we? Uh, we are on here. What is your race start comments? Uh, because people like um, uh, David Croft, it's always lights out and away we go. Um, um, what, how do you start a race when you when you comment when you do the commentary? I when the lights are coming on, I tend to build up the event with the full name. So I'd be mm -hmm. saying, and round ten of the British Boring Car Championship from Alton Park is, and then you wait for the lights to go out, and you say away, 
when it's uh, when they get going. It's a bit of an anticlimactic one when you sort of, in a friendly way, say the word away. It's a bit like, mm, God, do I need to change that? <laughs> but it's <laughs> the thing is now that that has become such an important thing as a commentator. Obviously, Murray Walker and the famous, and it's go, go, go. Yeah. We love that. That'll ne- if anyone ever does that again, I think I'm going to have to order a hitman on them to <laughs> to just say stop it. That's Murray's thing. But that's the thing. As as things evolve and we keep going through the ages yeah. of doing all of this, you know, people are going to say, "Oh, but that's so and so's phrase." I know yeah, I've been contradicting yeah. myself here, but you know, it's not. But yeah, with with Crofty, you know, he he's one of them that's always up there for me. He's yeah. he's always excited. But if I'm honest. F1 sort of needs that in comparison yes, to yeah, all the yeah. days. But um, yeah, the, the whole start procedure, you need to just sort of keep it a bit a bit level and then you build on, oh, so-and-so's had a good start and oh, this guy's dropped back and oh, look, this is going to be contact. And then you, you have to set it as a platform to then build on and get excited about. Yeah. How do you find the commentator uh, James Allen? Because he came in right after kind of Murray Walker, didn't he? It was he kind of... Um, took over um, at, yeah, when Murray retired because mm. um, a lot of people thought well, and it's, and to be fair it was hard on him because he was filling the boots of Murray Walker oh, as gotcha. well, and that is never going to be easy to try and yeah. do and to be, and he lasted about 7 or 8 years or more uh, right till the end of when BBC got it back wasn't it mm. um, after when Hamilton got his title um, because a lot of people saw him as it felt slightly fake um, with his kind of commentary yeah. and, and he just maybe had a slightly unfortunate tone of voice that didn't always sound that real that ha- and obviously you're, don't worry we're not going to hold you to it um but that type you know <laughs> how you know did you were you an admirer of that kind of commentary or how did you find them i i can i can understand what people mean when they say that it sounded a bit fake because mm. he's got a bit of an aggressive voice for it but yeah. he's and anal- analytically he is fantastic he's I'd, I'd say he's more suited to the sort of Martin Brundle role that we had. You know, Murray would do all the exciting stuff, yeah. tell you what's happening on screen, and then Martin would follow it up with why it's happening, what's happening to the tyres, what the pit crew will be thinking, what the driver will be thinking. You know, he's been there and done it. Um, yeah. I think James Allen was more suited to that sort of role, but mm-hmm. they put him in at the deep end of filling Murray's boots, like you say. So yeah. I, I enjoyed it. You know, I, I thought he was, he's really good at what he does. Um, but again, if I had to be critical, I'd say it's he's another one where he's, excited from the very get-go yeah, yeah, very, yeah, very yeah, get-go. and doesn't come down from that very much um yeah. but I, again i i feel that f1 needs that because there have been seasons where it would yeah because <laughs> you know, yeah. everybody now looks at it and goes oh f1's not as good as it used to be and i think that i mean i i i spoke to some of the guys in uh, in my sim racing team that i'm in about it the other day, and when you look back, I mean Murray himself and yeah. the racing, it, it wasn't actually that great, you know. No, like no. Murray was a great commentator, hands down, because of what he did. But yeah. for the amount of stuff, if you go in on what he got wrong and you know what he missed, things like that, yeah. you know, there's, there's a lot of things that he missed and got wrong. You know, Murrayisms have become legendary, but yeah. the racing was the same. You know, you'd have top five where the leader would win by 45 seconds and it'd be another yeah, half a minute yeah. to the car behind. You know, we're yeah. blessed now with the fact that, you know, a, yeah, a six win in Formula yeah. One is, is a big margin these days. And it's like, that's brilliant. Yeah. But yeah. it's the over-dominance of Mercedes that, um, yeah. fair play to them. You know, I've got no issue with it. I'm a, I'm a Hamilton fan and a Mercedes fan. 
but yeah. I'd still like to see closer racing. It's the ones yeah. that can't help losing that are the, the bad ones for that, but we won't get into toxic F1 fans because that'll dig me in a hole. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I completely agree with you. I think, to be fair, the racing has actually been very good, even over the last few mm. years. I mean, Hamilton, yeah. in many cases, was driven to the wire to get those yeah. championships. It was actually pretty close in many of the races. I mean, I mean, and some incredible performances. I always remember um, it was the German Grand Prix, was it two years ago, when Hamilton started 14th on yes. the grid, and he won. Yeah. I mean, that was an imp- incredible race. And we've mm. had some really amazing races right the way through. And this year, with Perez winning in uh, Bahrain and, and uh, well, the second uh, Bahrainian race, um, and also with... Um, Oh, what was his name? Uh, the French chap who won in Monza. Uh, it's uh, you could tell. Uh, Gasly, commentator. Gasly, yes. Um, yeah. And uh, and I mean that was an astonishing race, you know. So there were lots mm. of really kind of amazing events and, and races that have happened. I think for 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 me as I'm a slightly older F1 fan, uh, we're just missing the noise a bit because the new engines, yeah. although they're a bit louder, they just don't sound that great because they rev quite low mm. and they don't really. Um, and I mean everyone's noticed when Alonso took his. Renault V10 rounds oh, uh, no, uh, Abu Dhabi. No. Wasn't that the most incredible? The sunlight, the car racing round, and he's well. I mean, that was just yeah. what Formula One should be. Um, yeah. You know, how, what's your take on that? Do you think F1 needs to get a bit louder, a bit more of a show again? Yeah, I do. Unfortunately, um, the missus gets the Hoover out on the landing, and I think, oh, we bought a Formula One car. Yeah. <laughs> it's to to see Alonso's car. The, you know, it was the the R twenty five, wasn't it? The Renault R twenty five. Yeah. To see it on modern day cameras with modern yeah. day audio in wonderful HD, and just have it how it was. It was insane. Like, and see it on slicks as well. I mean, that thing was flying. He was not just messing about. It wasn't Goodwood Festival of Speed. I'm going to cruise at 20 mile an hour everywhere. It was, let's go for it. And I I would love to see Formula One go back that way, but I think that was around the time where the cars started getting even more for sort of that time, bad Mm. at chucking dirty air out the back, and they couldn't race as closely. That it was getting to that point then. I, I think mm. that I'm hoping the new rules do shake it up a bit. I know yeah. that some of the top teams will obviously be developing now and getting ready for it, but I'm I'm very hopeful that we'll see a bit of a new challenger come forward and hopefully not the same dominance again. I mean, hats off to Mercedes on it, but I yeah. I'm yeah. I, I I don't ever think we'll get back to the point of having V10s and this incredible yeah. sound. Although I'd love it, but yeah. in all honesty, I think that the new rules should should shake it up and i really hope they do yeah and of course, i was, I was reading a, a thing on facebook actually earlier about for on similarly bernie eccleston who's now turned 90. he <laughs> doesn't look 90 but he's 90 <laughs> years old um, and <laughs> uh, i know it's incredible really what kind of vitamins is he taking um because you know it certainly looks so well he looks about 65 when you mm. when you see him on on tv and he's, he's absolutely sound as anything and um, yeah. he was saying that we should just drop these horrendous uh, hybrid engines um, mm. And go back to the to the V8s just because they're either cheaper to, to run now because it's old tech, um, and until they yeah. get the next engine sorted out, then that would at least bring back some of the, mm. the show and a bit of the noise um, that I think. And I have to say, I was like, yes, please, something yeah. finally talking uh, sense, you know? Mm. Um, because I, I don't know about you, but did you ever have you ever been to like F1 testing? We used to do it at Jerez in Barcelona, and you could get out there on a cheap flight on EasyJet. And go and watch them. <laughs> I've got, I've got um, a few friends that have been out to do it. I was going to go out in 2019, but it was organised a little bit too late, so I didn't end up going. Um, but it's it's something I really want to do to see the cars out there for the first time. And yeah. I know that it's not really a busy circuit at the time either. You know, no, it's quite, yeah, it's quiet. 
I would, I would think so. Nothing. Mm. Well, we, we used to do it when it was at Jerez in 2008, 2009, and 2011 we went. And it was just the best thing. You got in for literally 10 euros uh, into Jerez. Um, and I remember taking my wife in 2011 for the first time. And, and she said, oh, well, this is going to be very, very loud, isn't it, all the time? And I said, oh, it won't be that bad. You know, you'll get used to it. It'll be absolutely yeah. fine. Well, we heard the cars from about two miles from the circuit as we came off the motorway. <laughs> and she said, what's that? Is that one of those? I said, no, that's just a bee, Spanish bees. Very loud, you know. <laughs> like, like bees. I, I quickly put my window up, you know, and it was like, well, actually, as soon as we got into the car park, yeah, it was like, yeah, look out for it. Um, I, you know, as soon as she heard it, she was quite motivated because it is an incredible sound. And yeah. so we kind of ran into the stadium and got our tickets done and then went into the... And of course, when you come into Arreth, you're right at the chicane. Um, and the first car we saw uh, was uh, Michael Schumacher coming around in his in, oh, his, wow. in the McLaren in the Mercedes um, with the red helmet and the whole thing, you know, and it was um, it was fantastic. Um, and of course, the V8 noise was just amazing, oh. you know. But um, and at the very end, we managed to get round to the start finish street um, mm. and to the opposite the pits. You were able to sit there, um, and they they all did a warm up lap because they'd been quite quiet during the day. So they decided right they'll do their practice starts towards the end. So oh, they were yeah. doing practice starts at the end of the of the grids and end of hearing out. And with those V8s, you know, when they go, when they bounce off the revelometer, it's just the most amazing yeah. sound. And then we thought it was over. Um, but no, they all kind of came on the track. And there must have been about 10 or 12 of them at the time, or certainly, certainly a good number of them. Um, and they did a, a, a practice warm-up lap to the grid. And so they were all kind of coming up. And some of them would actually go on the grid. I think they must have been allowed to do that at that point. And then they would yeah, just yeah. momentarily stop. And then they would head off. And so we got this wow. phenomenal run. And once you've got that noise in your head, Oh, it's yeah. impossible to get rid of it. You know, mm. it's it's just the incredible, incredible thing. But um, would, is there a particular series that you would love to commentate on, or if you had a choice of track and car, what would be your best race or the series you would love to commentate on? Hands down, BTCC. I adore the British Touring Car Championship. It's been amazing since, well, let's ignore 2001 till about 2006, but... Well, I'd say about 2004, maybe, but honestly, that there's just there's nothing like it. And I was obviously I watched recently the the Johnny Smith late break show with Jason oh, Plato and Matt Neal, yeah. and yeah, they were saying, yeah. you know, no matter what series you go in, if you go in Formula One, if you go into GT World Challenge, if you go into you know the Le Mans series, there's just nothing like BTCC. It is savage. It is nose to tail constantly. And as a commentator, you don't know where to look. I mean, I've, I've been I've, I'm very fortunate to have become quite friendly with David Addison over lockdown and over the last year. Mm. And we, we've had the odd chat about it. And, you know, he, he shows the aspect that I want, that, you know, there's there's never any dull moments in BTCC. It's just yeah. incredible. There's, there's a wonderful community behind it. There's an incredible bunch of people in the field. Um, yeah. I mean, you've got the likes of Colin Turkington, who's Mr. Consistency, Ash Sutton, very deserving champion this year, really exciting to watch. But then you've still got like some of the old guard, like Matt Neal and Jason Plato. Admittedly, Plato wasn't in it this year. Matt Neal might not be in it next year. But there's just a great mix of drivers and the cars as well. I just find that the cars look like some of the best racing cars in the world. It's like they take your everyday yeah. hatchback, like the Astra. The Astra is a prime mm -hmm. example. Put a massive, massive, beefy body kit on it and it looks yeah. fantastic. It's a gorgeous looking race car. And no disrespect to TCR cars, but they're just a little bit more of a level up. And yeah. there's no there's yeah. no other series in the world that uses them other than yeah. the Lop Touring Car Trophy where there's about two of them. But it's just, yeah. 
It's, it, I mean, Nylinski's just said in the chat as well, it's exhausting to watch. And that's right. You know, yeah. me, when <laughs> I, I, a lot of the time during this year, I've been away at circuits commentating while BTCC's been on. So I'd get back and my girlfriend's obsessed with it as well. You know, she's, she's properly fallen in love with BTCC. So I'd get home and I yeah. remember um, one night I got in and this is on no reflection of my diet because I'm on a diet and losing weight at the minute. But I got in and she said, I, I said, what do you want to do? It was about nine o'clock at night. And I, I came in here, did a little bit of admin work and some bits. And she just popped her head because the door is right here. And she just popped her head in and went, turn that off. We're going to go upstairs and watch BTCC and go and eat chocolate cake in bed. And I was like, seen a bit. That's it. <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't know why I've not put a ring on it yet, but wow. <laughs> yeah. it's, just, it, it's, um, it's contagious, BTCC. It really yeah. contagious. It's so much fun. It's amazing. Yeah. Well, we've got John Cleland, who just lives about less than an hour uh, from me. I'm hoping eventually to get him on the show. Uh, yes. Because uh, he's, he's a, such a great guy. And, and those years when it was him um, and, uh, and oh, uh, the, uh, Steve Sofer and, yeah. uh, and, uh, and then the, the current commentator as well, wasn't it? Um, for BTCC. Oh, uh, um, Charlie Cox and John Watson were commentating on it John, about that time. Yeah. But there was... Um, um, Murray did it. for BMW. BMW. Tim Harvey. Uh, Tim Harvey. Tim Harvey. That's right. Because in that year, ninety-two, when they had that incredible finish to the title, <laughs> yeah. and it was basically what car could cross the line and, and still going. It was a bit more like breakfast. To be it was. Yeah. <laughs> it was. <laughs> really was. Uh, but uh, I remember they, they had an interview with them not that long ago, uh, and they mm -hmm. had all three of them uh, kind of sitting on a wall, and they were still yeah. quite peeved about it. Uh, obviously, uh, it's still quite a quite a thing. Um, uh, because it, it is, I mean, I, there were amazing races. I remember I went to Donington to watch Mansell race in the four and one deal. I think that was about 94, 95 when he was, and he crashed in the Tisby Dell. He, he did it in 98 as well. He he Gosh, did that. Yeah. He, he came back a few years later and did it in 98, and it was, it was insane. Oh. <laughs> he was on it. Yeah, yeah he was on it. I remember because he was a couple of laps, he was, he was, he was staying in the same position, and then all of a sudden he started to come through the field. Um, mm. and, and the whole the, everybody watching just went went absolutely crazy. And I can't yeah. remember if that's when he crashed into Tiffany Dell or not, or if it, or if he had a car problem. But one of the times he definitely did. Um, mm. But no, it was Nigel. It was great fun to to watch them race. Um, and uh, yeah, always like the Renault Lagunas and they'd all. Oh, they had the, remember the Volvo Estates. They had oh, there was the V eight fifty Estates. That's what it was. What a car! <laughs> you know, uh, it was. It, they they were able to be iconic, weren't they? They were they, mm. they were prepared to let different cars come into the series um, yeah. which were always good um, and of course who can forget the uh, the Alfa Romeos of Tarquini oh, yeah. um, they were phenomenal specials eh <laughs> yeah because ah, that car was that not similar I think to the world touring car wasn't it because they used to compete in was it the, the like the big the big touring car championship that goes across mm. uh, Germany and, and Europe yeah. um, but that was an amazing car that's what I said to, I remember I was watching one and I said to my father I said you've got to buy an Alfa Romeo 155 that has to be on the shopping list for your mm. next car. And to my surprise, he did. Um, but it wasn't a Silverstone version or the nice kind of sporty one. It was a fairly standard one, but it was still a phenomenal car. Um, so did you have a kind of particular era of, of BTCC that you kind of look back and think that was amazing? Um, or any particular races that you think were phenomenal, that were that ones that you've really loved? Um, I, I always had a VHS, um, as, as we all know, Duke, Duke video do incredible season reviews of the British yeah. Touring Championship. I, I always had the 2000 VHS when all the manufacturers had pulled out. You only had three Fords, three Vauxhalls, three Hondas, and then Matt Neal in a Nissan, the 99 Premier, the upgraded one. 
And then yeah. you had every so often, I think it was uh, David Leslie, and there was another guy that raced. I think Hoy raced in that as well, in another yeah. Nissan. Um, yeah. Yeah. And that's when they introduced Class B, and they only had four or five of them to begin with. And that year, it really grew, and it was just insane. And that, that again, is, is another reason I got into commentary, because as much as everybody loves Murray Walker, my favorite commentator of all time is Charlie Cox. Who, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Australian who used to race bikes. Actually, no, he used to commentate bikes and then he raced That's in right. BTCC yeah, yeah. and then he became a, a commentator. And him and John Watson were just yeah. as good a duo as David Addison and John Watson are now on GT World Challenge because you've got obviously a really strong character in Charlie who makes all these jokes and says all these hilarious things, gets really excited. And then you've got John Watson who takes no nonsense. And, you know, if someone <laughs> does something stupid, he'll say, Oh, that was rubbish. Or like, you know, he just does it how it is. And I mean, David Addison has, has joked to me a few times about how annoyed John Watson gets at track limits abuse. <laughs> and the fact that the points, the points go down to places below sixth because he's like, <laughs> Oh, in my day, you know, you get sixth place, you know, you still get only one point and all this. And, yeah, I think um, not, my favorite season is 1999 because I, I love that Nissan Primera. I, that is hands down favorite BTCC car, very closely followed by the Laguna um, in Did Keith O'Dour, did Keith O'Dour not drive a Nissan? Remember he Keith did O'Dour? in 93, I think it was, 93, 94. He went over yeah. the fence at Donington in it, didn't he? That's he right, yeah. threw it at the scenery, as I said before. Yeah. I remember the year, that's right, it was an incredible crash. Um, yeah, yeah, no, he had some big accidents um, on his own. But I remember Keith O'Dour, and then of course it was Andy Rouse as well, yeah. and, and uh, there were there were so many, um, and uh, it was yeah, it was it was an incredible era of racing. Oh uh, God, it was and, untouchable. Yeah, yeah, and of course Top Gear used to cover it. I remember Tiffany Bell doing a few races as well. Mm. He would get a, an invitation to go and race, yeah. um, and uh, and so no, it was it was fantastic. Um, but uh, but no, it's it's amazing that all these different eras. And in terms of a, a Grand Prix, if there was a track that you would like to commentate on, um, what would it be? Because in the current grid, there's some pretty spectacular circuits. What would you like? This might come across as a weird one, but Baku. There's I oh, don't yeah. I don't think there's been a boring Grand Prix in Azerbaijan. No, no. It's, it's I'm not usually a fan of a street circuit unless it's Monaco. Because mm-hmm. we all know Monaco's, Monaco, Monaco is just so special. But yeah. I think yeah, Baku is just. I've I've actually driven it on R Factor a little bit as well, and I can see why drivers like it as well. It's it's just there's something weird about it because of how wide it is in certain places, and then suddenly you've got the castle section that's about as wide as my little finger, and then yeah, it yeah. opens up again at the last part of the lap. It's 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 a very different sort of street circuit in its own way. And yeah, like I said, I don't think there's been a boring Grand Prix there. I think it does. It's interesting that you say it's similar to Monaco because I think the buildings, because the buildings are lovely. You know, certainly mm-hmm. it's quite it looks very well to do and well maintained, and 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 it's always very kind of spick and span, and they, they obviously yeah. put a lot of effort um, to make it um, look as good as it can. But it is there's an atmosphere about the place, and I think having the castle and, and people racing through the that tiny bit of road um, when they go past the castle is incredible. It's insane, really. Um, but they managed to do it. I think very few people. I, mean, I know they've crashed into the wall there, but. Thankfully, only it's a, it's a, such a, it's a slower section, so it's not too dangerous. Um, but yeah. it's an amazing. It is, and having those long straights allows for good overtaking as well. Um, it always makes it good. Now, earlier on, there was a question, I believe, from your brother, um, and I've I've remembered it here that you do the British Boring Car Championship. And mm. at first, I thought, is he making a joke? 
game without Chris. I mean, <laughs> trying to call it something else. Um, but he says, what was the best season of the British Boring Car Championship um, that you've ever commentated on? Well, there's only been two, and he was the champion of the most recent one. And everyone claims that it was a fix because my brother won the series that I run and commentate. <laughs> um, we actually had David Addison on that as well for a few rounds, and he he found it just as funny. Um, I enjoyed season one just because it was the first time we'd done it, and it was it was mad. You know, it was the idea came to life. Um, season two was just as exciting, but I think there were a few moments where it was like we look it's always going to happen when you get a later season of something you always look back and go mm, that wasn't as good as season one and mm. i think just because of how new it was in season one it was i found it a bit more exciting at the time but to explain the british boring car championship to people basically i had a stupid idea at the start of lockdown although i had a um i had a stupid idea about three years ago to do it as a one-off event on iRacing where we had all the super tour liveries from the late nineties, you know, like the rapid fit Mondeos, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. fit Vauxhalls, Nest Cafe Lagunas, all on the Kia Optima that they have in iRace, <laughs> which is a god awful car. Three hundred and seventy five brake horsepower though from a front wheel drive GT car because it was in Goodness. the GTS class in the I think it was a Continental Challenger in America. It was a yeah. weird, weird thing, but it was the only touring car we had on iRacing for people to race in. But eventually. I decided to call the championship the British Boring Car Championship and put it on the most boring car you can get in iRacing, which is a Jetta Diesel Cup car. And, <laughs> you know, it got a good reception to begin with. Like, people wanted to race in it. We had the 99 season, effectively. So there was 16 cars, four independents, and then uh, six other teams. So you had your Volvos, your Lagunas, your Primeras, your um, Vectras, mm-hmm. and so on, and the Hondas as well. But they all had different logos on. So... Rather than, you know, the Honda with the red flames down the side and a big Honda up the side of it, it would just say Jetta up the side of it, things like that. Um, and we, we decided to put make it into a series, and it, it was hilarious. And when I first spoke to David, I said, do you want to give this a go? And he was like, mm, we'll try Alton and see how it goes. <laughs> but, yeah, if I had to choose one of the two seasons, unfortunately, for my brother, who uh, won the second one, I'd have to say it was the first one. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> So that's the thing. So did that? Did you see it was I racing that that went out on? Or would yeah, you... yeah. I um I basically managed the whole series myself. Um, a lot of the time in sim racing, I I wanted to make it different because in sim racing, I've I've been in a lot of different leagues and I've broadcasted a lot of different leagues, and you always know who drives for what team. So you know, like a few friends of mine race for Pure Sims, for example. It used to be CQR Club. I know people who race for teams like Fitstyle uh, Motorsport or TechSense Fitstyle Motorsport, as it's known. And, you know, every, every single time that you go into a season, there's no sort of build-up before it of, oh, who's this person driving for this season? Or, oh, who have this team recruited? Because you just know. You get yeah, an entry yeah. list and you go, oh, so-and-so's in it. And you know what team they drive for. So there's no excitement about what that combination is. Mm-hmm. So I preset the teams, did it as it was. So I basically made the grid... So there was two of each manufacturer entry and then the four independents. So you had like the Paula Cook Honda Accord livery, uh, the old Arena International Laguna that was silver that faded to black at the back that Russell Spence liked to throw at barriers. Um, The Mark Blair Vectra, if you remember that one, dark blue one with the yellow arches. Very, very strange car. I, I I made all them and then we did a random draw 
with a spinny like wheel of fortune wheel to see who would get given each car for the very first season. And then after season one, we then did a driver's market where people said if they wanted to leave the current team they were in and go to another one, then they had to apply to it. And it's things that you don't normally get in sim racing. So we did that and ran all that through iRacing just because it's got such a good platform to run leagues on. And then I broadcasted all of it as well. So I, it, it helped me with the commentary because I knew what was going on behind the scenes all the time because it was yeah. me that was doing it. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> you know it, all the secrets. You yeah. knew exactly what was going on. Oh, that's mm. brilliant. That's brilliant. Now, we've got a, a good question from the, the new. It says, Chaz, is there a series not yet on SRW that you would like to see and commentate on? That's a very good question, actually. Um, SRW is Sim Racers World, who run a lot of different leagues on iRacing, and Sim Racers World TV, who I'm one of the sort of managers for with Ian Roots. Um, and in terms of series that I've not commentated on yet that they do, I'm trying to think, because I've, I've commented on most of them. Um, we, we started with the Sim Racers World TCR series, which is fantastic. And it's now the Z1 Dashboard Sim Racers World TCR series that I commentate on with Peter Mackay, who's an absolute hero. Um, I'd quite like to do the Dynamics Endurance series, to be honest. I do like my endurance racing, but we've got a lot of others that I, I do. I, I can't really think, if I'm honest, the Mew. I'm sorry, mate. No, <laughs> sorry, buddy. Oh, that's, that's the thing. And, of course, in your career, because, again, in, in the pre-interview, um, you were saying about the kind of people that you work with, um, you know, many of the touring car drivers and things like that. Are there, would it be people that you would like to meet in the sim racing world or the uh, the and the real racing world um that you know that you haven't met so far or would you like to name drop a few of the people you've been able to meet in your career so far <laughs> um i you know what i i've never met murray walker we knew he was going to be the sort of subject of chat tonight but i i would love to meet murray my, my brother met him by accident at goodwood wow. festival of speed once i was gonna yeah. buy some it's stupid and i hate myself for it i was buying some ray-bans right <laughs> i found them on this stall and there was like 20 percent off and they were purple see-through ray-bans and i'd wanted a pair of them for ages so i stood there and bought them and my brother i was waiting for the guy to sell another pair and then walk over and sell them to me and then my brother was like, oh, stuff this. I'm going to go on a walk. Walked literally about 100 yards down, round the corner, and Murray Walker was just sitting down to do a book signing. And he got oh, to meet wow. him and have a quick chat with him then, and, and I didn't. And, oh. yeah, I, honestly, the for some reason, the brotherly rivalry from then on got stronger, and I don't know why. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but no, um, in terms of meeting real people from it, there's there's a few drivers I've met recently that are great. Um, Adam Christodoulou. He's he's been involved a lot with Tom Brooks and doing his uh, Make Me a Racing Driver series. Um, Adam's oh, yeah, yeah. Adam's a great guy. He's he's just signed another deal with Mercedes for a few years, so good on him and congrats on him. Uh, congrats to him for that. But I met him at Nurburgring when I did the twenty four hour there this year, and he's he's just such a sound guy. He's so, I mean I met him literally mid qualifying session, so he was very busy, so I didn't really get a chance to speak to him much, but. I just know from how he composes himself and the way he speaks to people online, and you know we've messaged every now and then, and he's. He seems like a sound bloke. Um, I've I've met the wonderful Jimmy Broadbent that we all know and love. Um, I interviewed him at the Bookmore Park 24 Hours in 2019. Oh, yeah. um, I that was my first real world commentary gig that I was sort of booked for. Um, just trying to see in my head who else there is really. There's there's a lot of people I'd love to meet. I would actually like to meet Damon Hill, which yeah. is an odd one because. I've never been Damon's biggest fan. I've always this. I don't mean to. I'm. I'm not going to offend anyone. I hope, but 
when you know when we all as as Brits when we have somebody that's high up in a sport and doing a wonderful job, I always refer to David Damon Hill as the Tim Henman of Formula One for Britain because <laughs> Tim Henman was like he was good, but he just he was uh, never quite yeah. what he needed to be. Yeah, and I I know Damon Hill Wimbledon. <laughs> and I, I know Damon Hill won the world championship and he's an incredible driver, but I just, in my head, he's never been up there. You know, he's never been up there like Gar Nige. Yeah, but yeah. I, I would love to meet him because I know that that would put that to bed. You know, I, yeah. I'm, I've seen so many great things about him, heard so many great things about him. Um, and I, I really would like to, to meet Damon Hill, to be honest. Yeah. 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 No, I have to say, uh, it's, uh, uh, the, the, I remember watching the 1996 championship and it was so close as well. I mean, yes, oh, yeah. Villeneuve was there, Schumacher was there, but the Williams had all that bit of an edge overall, um, but it was still a nail-biting, um, uh, especially when I was it in 96, when it was 94, that they had the, the wet race in Japan um, mm. where he beat Schumacher. And that was one of his best ever races Yeah, um, when, it, when it was the two races put together, wasn't it, when they, they had the, the red flag and things. Um, mm. But it showed that he could do it. And to be fair, in, in Adelaide, 94, before the clash, but Schumacher, Schumacher was ahead, and then he, he was losing time, and, and and Hill had caught up again, um, yeah. and then of course they had their famous clash. Um, Schumacher, and that, that did Schumacher was, things. Yeah, <laughs> that only he would do, and, yeah. and that was that was the thing. But mm. uh, but no, it was it was amazing, and also I mean Hill was Hill was was filling big seats from Nigel Mansell. I mean that was a yeah. big seat to fill, and Mansell we'd all waited for him to finally win a world championship, um, and uh, yeah, I know he was quite. I'd love to meet Nigel after that. Yeah. Um, I think that would be he, he, he was a fun guy, I and mean, I know he'd people used to mock his his, his interviews. Um, but uh, but he knew his stuff. I mean, he was an absolute oh, yeah. fighter, and and he did things with cars and then something. I mean, those when he won the British Grand Prix in '91 um, and '92. I mean, the scenes of everybody oh, around his car was it was fantastic, wasn't it? I mean, and he, he simply ran somebody over. And I remember <laughs> he was interviewed and he said, "Oh, I think I ran one of my fans over," but he didn't seem to mind. You know, <laughs> it was I like, don't think I would. You know, you know, but um, no, there were some fantastic scenes, and I'm sure in the future we'll see you do many more of that. Do you have big plans for this year? Do you have any? What are the kind of highlights coming up? I I want to add on to the last thing, Mika Hakkinen. Yeah. Ah, uh, yes, favorite driver of all time, Mika Hakkinen. He's just so fantastic and so composed, and he's the one driver that Michael Schumacher feared. And to be that driver must be a yes. massive thing. Um, I also found out recently about him because I was watching a video about him. I'll make this quick. And um, he made a joke to Nico Rosberg, who was driving him around in the McLaren P1, Mika's own P1, yeah. that he was like, don't kill me, Nico. I've got five kids. And I thought, flipping heck, does he have five, five kids? Goodness. So went to Wikipedia, as you do, because, you know, Wikipedia <laughs> knows everything. Um, and <laughs> I found out that it, it really wrenched my heart that Mika lost his entire memorabilia, trophies, everything anything everything ever from his f1 career because he had a new house built i think it was in paris and oh, one of the one of the lights in his trophy room short-circuited and burned the place down so he lost every 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 sort of physical memory other than oh, his no. head injury of his f1 yeah. career that he'd had he lost and honestly it brought a tear to my eye to think that but my goodness I, i've been a fan of mika forever he's just yeah. When he says the Michael, every time he does that, it just kills me off because that's it's just hilarious. <laughs> but yeah. as 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 of this year, um, I've not announced it yet on my website, so this is a, a sneak peek. But 
Um, I'm very happy that the Creative Funding Solutions Sports 2000 Championships have asked me back to be their series commentator again in real life this year. Yeah. Um, they gave me my first ever full calendar of commentary last year. They're an amazing bunch of people. The cars are unbelievable as well. They're about 200 brake. They weigh 520 kilos with the driver. Um, they go like stink and they cost nothing to run all year. Some of them spent barely five grand a year to run their car last year. And they're, they're almost as quick. I think they were like a second and a half off GT three times around Snetterton. And they're like, what, 10% of the budget, if that, and it's just amazing. Um, the whole paddock's lovely. And there's a class called, uh, you'll probably know yourself, actually, Pinto class cars. Oh, yes, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Old Pintos, like Lola 88, 90s and things like that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They do something to me, just the, the curves yeah. and the lack of, like, I, I love aero. Like, I'm a humongous fan of massive canards, big splitters, huge wings, beefy wheel arches, like you get in BTCC. But yeah. Smooth curves of a Lola 8890. Yeah. To commentate on that and to, you know, have the guys enjoy it and be a part of it is amazing. So they've got me on for this year, which I'm very happy yeah. to announce. Um, there's a lot of sim racing stuff going on, as there always is. You know, there's there's weeks in my calendar that I've got that I've got one broadcast a day for like 15 days at one point in February. Wow. Um, wow. Other than that, really, there's, there's no other real world stuff coming on at the minute because... I must admit, lockdown has helped me a lot with that um, because yeah. it compressed the calendar so much into a few months. People like David Addison and a lot of other commentators like Andy McEwen, for example, um, couldn't be at certain events at the same time and they had commitments with other championships. So I'd get roped in to do stuff and they'd be like, Chaz, we've got TCR UK on at Silverstone this weekend. Do you want to? Yeah, <laughs> I'm, on, I'm on my way. <laughs> I'm in the car. It's like, you know, yeah, I'm already... It's work-related, I can travel. <laughs> That's it. I'm on the you know, stuff like that is is fantastic. Um, I'm hoping for a lot more of that this year um, in terms of last minute stuff because it's a little bit more exciting because then you're like, oh, right, I need to prepare for this. Get ready. Um, yeah. Chatsraycott.com, you know, if you want to book me. Um, yes, but- absolutely. <laughs> but I've got this now as well, actually. Yeah, Chats Media. My mum got me. Chaz Draycott Media branded stuff for Christmas and I, I hadn't thought of I've I wanted to get it done for ages but then I've never bothered there's a tote bag and everything and face masks even um, yeah I can't thank her enough for that <laughs> oh that's fantastic well no it's great to see you you know you've done very well and, and got big thank plans you. for this year which is really really good and I mean I very enjoyed very much enjoyed listening to your commentary on the SimGrid race at the 24 hour race at Spa uh, yeah, which was, was it was, it was so, such a good thing that was the first time I really got to see what you could do um, and uh, and it's fantastic having you on the show. And we've had lots of great comments. And to everyone who's been watching today, if this is the first time that you've watched the Car Sim and Race Driver show, it'd be fantastic to have you on board. It's free to subscribe um, and hit that notification bell and you'll never miss a video uh, because we've had lots of... Uh, we, we've had... You'll probably know Jake Speary. We had Jake Speary, yes. um, the commentator, yeah, Jake. Um, a few months ago as well. And we've had people like Super GT. And we've got big news. He's coming back on the show we yes, almost killed him the last time. We almost killed him. We gave him the holo virus the last time, and he poor thing got a terrible me- me- migraine um, halfway through, and had to had to finish early. But thankfully, he was fine. Um, but he's coming back on the twenty eighth of January uh, oh, in, in about three weeks' time. So he'll be, he'll be back. Yeah, he's so good. He's very funny and just just really really good. Um, so he'll be coming back. We've also got a, a, a female racer next week. Um, it's Quick Gabby, um, who's from the Czech Republic. Um, and uh, so yeah, so she's coming on. She's big on Twitch. 
Uh, so she'll be on next week at nine o'clock uh, here live on the Car Sim and Race Driver Show. But for everyone who's watching, if this is the first time that you've seen Chaz Draycott, now there's no excuse for not going onto his website. And uh, do you have merchandise that you can sell? Is there anything they can get a hold of? I, I do want to. I, I don't know if anyone would want to wear anything with my name on it, but I might, I might do. I don't know yet. That's that's unconfirmed, unfortunately. But yeah, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> now, there's one last question from Nalinsky. And he oh, says, yeah. Sorry for repeating, but the big <laughs> question remains unanswered. Which would you rather fight, a one horse sized duck or a hundred duck sized horses? A hundred duck sized horses. I'm glad you answered that because I don't have any clue what to say. You know, but it was... If it was one massive duck, you'd probably try and kick it and it wouldn't really do much. But if it's a little, if it's a duck sized horse, you could just boot the thing. Not that I condone animal violence, you know. <laughs> this is in no way, in no way me saying I would hurt animals. But honestly, if I had to defend myself from a hundred duck sized horses, you you could get a good swing on one, I think. There we are. <laughs> now, I did, I also did notice a very good comment there from your brother. Um, oh, there uh, he when it was the one, it was saying that, um, no, uh, brotherly, that's it, bro brotherly rivalry. Not even a competition. I don't see any trophies in your backdrop. But, uh... <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, he's, he's he's got he's got a massive massive head on him now. He can he can barely get in the front door when he gets home from work because he in the first season of Boring Cars he won the Independence Championship. Then he teamed up with his mate Josh for season two. They won the teams championship and then he won the overall drivers championship. So other than the sort of drivers driver award that we do at the end of the season, he's won everything in two seasons. Bless him. <laughs> Well, that's pretty good going. Well, we've been going for an hour and 10 minutes, and I know you're a very busy man, and I very much appreciate um, you coming on the show tonight. I, loved it. I really have. Thank you. It's been great. It's been, it's been great to have you on the show. Please stay on the line for the moment. But to everyone who's been watching, um, thank you very much uh, for watching the Car Sim and Race Driver show with our fantastic guest, Chaz Draycott. Now, we have lots of corny lines on this show that never should be um, used if you're a real racing driver or even a sim driver. Um, but one of my friends who was doing the uh, real, actually getting his racing license at Silverstone many years back, um, happened to do this just to make a joke. And it stayed with us ever since. And, you know, he paid six grand to do this racing license. He had always kit, all this stuff. And you had to do two races at Silverstone. And then in the morning, they had their debrief or their brief to tell them, you know, if you crashed, you weren't allowed to take part in the second race. It was very, very strict. And so yeah. the, the, the main chief instructor at Silverstone says, um, now, does anyone have any questions uh, that they would like to say? And, of course, Jonathan says, well, it looks like I'll win the race at the first corner. And he just went, oh, no. no. <laughs> it was like, finally, he was having a sense of humour. Um, but uh, in the end, Jonathan finished third in his first race, um, which is not too bad going. Um, so we always say on, on our, our kind of motto here at the Car 7 Race Driver Show um, is drive fast and try not to crash. And if you do, you'll win the race at the first corner. <laughs> but, uh, you know, so there we have it. But thank you very much for coming on the show, Charles. You've been a fantastic no guest. Thank you. And to everyone who's been watching, um, thank you very much for watching. I know you've been watching from across the globe. But, um, it's been the Car Simon Race Driver Show. So take care and join us on Monday night at 9 o'clock when it's me, Fat Man in a Cheap Sim, doing my broadcasting on <laughs> PS4 and normally GT Sport. So take care and we'll see you very, very soon. Bye just now.